You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past. I'm your host, Matt Pappas, certified life coach specializing in overcoming anxiety and trauma recovery. And this podcast is all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. Each week, you'll hear from coaches, clinicians, and advocates who've overcome tremendous odds and are now using their journey to inspire you throughout yours. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, greetings, my friend, and thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to tune into the show. And I hope this episode inspires and encourages you on your own journey. Big shout out if you're listening to the podcast for the very first time. I hope that you'll enjoy it and perhaps check out some other episodes as well. And for those who are regular listeners, you guys all rock. You're amazing. And I always appreciate the support so much. A huge thank you to my incredible sponsors, INLPcenter.org, offering world-class online neuro-linguistic programming and life coach training to people in over 70 countries. I'm honored to be able to receive my certifications from INLP Center and utilize their research and incredible training programs. And to daily recovery support, interactive daily group calls in a safe atmosphere for survivors of complex trauma, equipping you with the skills and information you can use every single day in your healing journey. Learn more about this affordable resource and get signed up at cptsdfoundation.org. If you find these podcasts helpful, please do consider subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcasting app. That would definitely be awesome. So my guest today on the podcast is Shirley J. Davis. Shirley is a writer, advocate, and survivor of complex trauma stemming from abuse that began at a very young age, resulting in a diagnosis of dissociative identity disorder, or DID. Shirley writes about her life and ongoing healing on her blog, which I'll list in the show notes, as well as other outlets, including CPTSD Foundation, where she is a staff writer. During our chat, Shirley shares some of her survivor story, including what prompted her to seek professional help with a therapist and the diagnosis of DID. You'll learn how she was able to make sense of her life by being able to give her struggles a name and what it was like researching DID during a time when very little was known about it. She shares the process of reaching a stage of DID known as fusion and what that's meant for her ongoing healing. All this and so much more as we join my chat with advocate, writer, and survivor, Shirley J. Davis, right now. So, hey, Shirley, welcome to Beyond Your Past. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. It's my pleasure to have you. And we're going to talk today on the podcast about DID and about your writing and blogging with CPTSD Foundation and, um, you know, some of your story of, of being a survivor. So, but uh, before we get into that, why don't you take a minute or two and, and tell everybody a little bit more about yourself? Oh, let's see. I live in Illinois in the U.S. And um, I actually I write for not, not just the CPTSD Foundation, but also for a couple other this is a you know bringing some extra cash, um, and I enjoy it very much. I, I'm a, I've been writing since I was in the third grade, so um, but earnestly to only in the last probably the last five or six years. Um, I'm uh, almost sixty. I'm fifty eight. <laughs> yeah, amazing, huh? <laughs> and uh, uh, feeling every minute of it this morning, but usually not. <laughs> Every bit of it. It's because it's so it's dark and dreary, and I don't do well in dark and dreary. Uh, but uh, other than that, I uh, I'm 
just very active in advocacy and uh, getting information out, real information out about DID, um, dissociative identity disorder. Um, and uh, it's, it's well, I, 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 I've gone to college. I managed after 37 years to graduate with my associate degree. <laughs> well, congratulations. Uh, it was it was so much so much illness. I had to try over and over until I finally did it. Mm-hmm. But I did do it, you know, two, two, a couple of years ago. Good for you. And, that's um, awesome. That's basically who I am. Cool. Well, that's excellent. Well, and that's a lot, right? So, um, yeah. So let's kind of um, get into a little bit. Uh, you can share um, as much as you're comfortable with about your story of being a survivor and, uh, you know, how DID came to be in your life. And then we'll just kind of go from there. So by all means. Um, let's see. I was diagnosed in 1990. Um, I had uh, um, I changed jobs, and apparently I felt safer in the job I was in because uh, and all, com- the combination of brain maturity. I started having these horrendous flashbacks to memories. I, I, they, I could only be described as memories that happened to me when I was very young. And I thought I was nuts. I, I'm like, why is this? What is going on? You know, I got depressed. And so I started seeing a therapist and uh, uh, I started seeing Paula in February of 1990. And uh, she, well, you know, at the time, the the, the, contra- the controversy of DID was really beginning, beginning to get head off, you know, it was really getting big. And uh, she just watched me for three, four months uh, in her office. Uh, she'd watch me. You know, uh, dissociate, kind of not not necessarily change into someone else, switch just to a different altar. But um, she'd watch. She could. I would just leave the room. I would emotionally leave the room, and uh, I, she she would be sitting there by herself with me in the room. That's what I'm trying to say. Depersonalization, I just or derealization, whatever it is. I would just leave, and then I come back. You know, she'd be like, oh, "Where did you go?" And I didn't know what to tell her because I didn't realize I'd gone. Uh, but it took like three or four months, and she finally diagnosed me. And, um, when I first heard the diagnosis, I didn't really know much about it except for the movies. I mean, the only movie that was out at the time um, that I hadn't heard of was Sybil. And I'm like, no, that's a that's a weird show. I don't want to be that. But, you know, as time went on, and, she, and we worked together on this stuff, and I did some more research on it. And of course, I didn't have a computer back then, but... I went to the library, you know, the old fashioned thing and uh, read books about it, psychology books and began to understand. And then then it all fit together. It made sense. My whole life began to make sense because all my life I have had people tell me I said or did things that I didn't remember or find things or lose things and money and and, uh, and clothes, and all kinds of weird stuff. And I'm like, whoa, this makes sense. Finally, it had a name. and. I began the road le- going down the road less taken. I mean, the taking the travels down the road to therapy and recovery was actually harder than in the first place in some ways. Uh, but it started with uh, I started uh, my my uh, I was abused, uh, traumatized, whatever you word you whatever word is correct politically correct these days, um, from birth until I was fifteen years old by two people that. I love very much, and one of them was extremely, extremely traumatic, um, and uh, a lot of things, a lot of torture and weird stuff went on. And it, in the process, um, 
I formed dissociative identity disorder. And it's taken me 30 years and I'm still having side effects from the whole thing. But because I started, because I you started so young, that's why I've had such a hard time of uh, recouping my life um, and finding, finding peace in my world. Yeah, that's such, um, it's an incredible story. And yeah, I mean, as we know, um, dissociative identity disorder is of course a trauma um, disorder. And so you had mentioned when you were, um, you know, working with a therapist and started, started to kind of learn some about what was going on, you know, by doing your own research in the library and reading books and that type of thing. So when you started to put the pieces together a little bit, you know, as you mentioned, um, you know, I know for me, when I started to do my own research, I felt empowered and I was like, okay, now, you know, and, and you mentioned this too, about, you know, being able to call it something to give it a name, to give it a label of sorts. And, you know, of course, once we do that, we often feel like even if we don't understand everything yet, it doesn't seem quite so overbearing or, or quite so scary when you can kind of give it a name when you realize you're not the only person that, that, you know, feels this way or or deals with these struggles. So maybe talk a little bit more about, how once you started to do the research, how that kind of empowered you to keep moving forward and how that encouraged you to keep learning more? The research wasn't out there like it is today. I mean, there were, there, and of course, I did research back in the 80s and early 90s, but uh, it wasn't access, as accessible as it is today. I mean, you go online now and look up all the papers ever written about it if you want to. But at that time, to, the only resources I had were really just Psychology books. I mean, books uh, written for psychology classes. And these covered maybe, you know, a paragraph if you're lucky. Because it wasn't an accepted diagnosis amongst the psychology world, which is, it is better now, but it was hardly back then. Uh, Because there were so many, so many people just didn't believe that it existed. I mean, how could somebody actually form such a, such a, such a, a, an enigmatic disorder you know um and so i i did the best i could and read all i could um and um i took that and i'm like well okay all right so i know what caused it i mean i don't know exactly unfortunately i found out more um i preferred for sometimes i would prefer if i'd never remembered anything but that's not the way it happened with me i mean it was coming back spontaneously before i ever saw a therapist uh and it went on for six months before i saw her the first time so, um, but being able to understand that, that this is, it has a name, it has, there's something really going wrong here. Something happened back then that caused me to behave the way I was then and, and today. Um, and it wasn't just my imagination. It wasn't just uh, a fad that I fell into. I don't know if I'd ever seen with Sybil and that had been years before. Um, you know, I had never met anyone the claim to have DID. I had never, you know, heard of it in, in like a psychology classes in high school or the few I took in college. I had never heard of it. So it was, uh, it was empowering in some ways, but in other ways it became, it was frightening to think that you, you're turning into some, well, not turning into someone else. Because a part of yourself is taking over and taking you places and doing things that you don't remember. It's frightening at first, especially. Um, it's it's a little it's a little more it's more than a little overwhelming. The whole diagnosis is more than just a little overwhelming. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially early on when you're learning about what's going on. And even as you continue you know, to work with a therapist and continue to do your own research, it can be empowering to learn about it. You know, it can take some of the edge off, so to speak, in terms of the fear when you start to do your research and learn more about it. But it still obviously can be quite unsettling. It, it can be a challenge. So um, maybe share a little bit in terms of how DID um, affects your life now, you know, that you're older, that you've, you know, uh, been doing a lot of research, you do a lot of writing, you talk about your story, you've worked with a therapist and all these types of things. So, you know, early on, you mentioned how it was scary and, you know, confusing and kind of unsettling and maybe show a little bit now, uh, perhaps, you know, how your daily life is affected by this. And well, living with it today is a heck of a lot better than it was in the beginning. The chaos in the beginning was, Ah, chaos doesn't cover it. It's got there must be an extreme word worse than chaos. Um, but today, um, my system, the my alters, my, my, me, I um, have much more control over my life than I ever did before. I still have problems um, with dissociating if I get under a lot of stress. But it's not like it's not like in the movies, you know. I mean, when I when I dissociate into doing my most of the time, you can't tell unless you know me very, very well. Because the whole idea is to hide. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are people who it's obvious, you know, that they've switched. But with me, it's not. I mean, even even if the male altar takes over, you still can't tell. Because the whole idea, like I said, is to hide. Let somebody else take the hassle, but, but still hide. And uh, the more I have learned about what DID really is, the more I have accepted it. Like, okay, I am no different than anybody else and that I have one personality, not several. There aren't several people in my head. There's one. And that these altars are parts of myself that everyone has, except mine didn't coalesce and become one solidified me, didn't become an I. We stayed a we. Uh, Young children... Uh, under the age of five, a lot of times their, their personalities, um, well, I would say almost all the time, their personalities, you're not born with a cohesive eye. You develop that through stages, developmental stages. But after you get past the age of five or six, if you've missed that stage, you will stay forever dissociated. You will not have co- coalesce. You will never be able to coalesce into one cohesive eye. However, I also learned that I don't, that doesn't mean I don't can't live a, a good life. Um, there were many stages in getting here, but becoming cooperative, uh, getting everyone on board, getting all my parts to go in the same direction and to play the same music, you know, um, and to work for the common good. Um, and that also meant somebody had to be the mother figure, which just happened to be me. <laughs> I was elected. Not that I really like the idea at the time, and sometimes I still don't. But you know, somebody had to be the one that was handled the world, and I knew the most about how law, how the law works, and how society works, and and it just made sense. Um, some of my alters really don't understand that. I mean, a six-year-old kid, how would they understand how to get along in the world? They're more likely to be a victim, right? So, um, but today, my my alters, we 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 are as close as we can be. Um, and I'm currently in a phase called fusion. It's the very last stage. And unless you have gone past the other three stages to get here, you will not be able to understand it. 
Um, because it sounds like something that, 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 that can't possibly happen. I know because I've been there. I have, before I got to this stage where I am now, fusion sounded like something far out that I could never do. But all that means is that I have come to the point where I do things. I'm the one who thinks that. I'm the one that feels that. I am the one who does that. I, I, up until recently, just the last month or so, I was still going, telling myself, you know, I go, um, well, say for instance, I got upset with someone and I would think I'd be calming myself down by talking to myself in the third person. You know, you really need to calm down now and, and, and talking, using the terms we and, and such as that. And that's okay. I mean, it, when you're in other stages, that's great. But if you ever want to get to the point where you are, you are as much as an, of an I as you can be, you have to own all your emotions, all your thoughts, and all your behaviors. It's tougher than it sounds. Much tougher. How long did it take you to get to the stage of, of fusion? And you know, what does that mean for you in daily life? And is it something where you are able to kind of move forward and stay in that stage? Or do you go back to a different stage? Or you know, maybe kind of elaborate a bit more for, for those who are listening. Well, for any, any of the stages you go through, in recovery from this disorder, you're going to go back and forth. You're going to go in denial, going to come out of denial, you're going to all kinds of stuff. And uh, yeah, you find yourself going in and out of stages, just like you with grief. You don't follow the nice, you know, the five stages, you know, oh, this is stage one, this is stage two, and now I'm in stage three. You know, it doesn't work that way. Um, the stage I'm talking about and where I am now. Yeah, I'm going in and out of, of, of it because it's like uh, I forget or I fall back into old patterns. But what it means, what it really is, is that, like I said, you, you, you after you've, I've came to the stage of, well, I've accepted that, that I accept responsibility for my actions. No matter what is done, alter or not, they're still me. I am them. They are me. We are one. And if I commit a crime as a, say, Bianca, my 18-year-old self, that is my responsibility because I am Bianca. I am myself and I am Bianca. So, um, but there's, there's something past that. And I, I've only become aware of this recently because I've only heard of two from two other people in all the DID community that I know that have gotten to this, po- this part. And they were describing to me how, yeah, you will never become a cohesive whole, like, a, like a, everybody else who's, well, not everybody else, but people who are born without this don't have this trauma in their life and don't develop did you will not be like you would have been had you gone through the developmental stage correctly in the first place however fusion is where like i say you don't talk in a, and you don't think or talk in a third person way anymore um you become as close to an i instead of a we as you can be um and it's tough because, you know, um, all my life, I well, yeah, well, I'll say all my adult life, I have spent, you know, um, thinking, oh, well, she did that. I would even say that in therapy. Well, you know, she did that. You know, <laughs> Bianca did that. And it's like, uh, it's not true. Bianca is part of me. I am her. She is me. So I did that. I felt that. I think that. I feel that. I want that. I need that. And to someone who doesn't have DID, that sounds like a no-brainer. But to someone who does have DID, it sounds different. You know, it sounds sounds like 
a foreign thought. Um, it's like the integration, the big I word. You know, a lot of people are terrified of the I word. And that's because of the, that that uh, therapists and psychiatrists down through the years have been misunderstanding what that means. It does not mean that anyone dies. You know, if one of my personalities die, I'm afraid that I would too because I am them, they are me. If I die, they die. If they die, I die. And, you know, and this is something I hear all the time from frightened people with dissociative disorder, identity disorder. Is like, Oh, I can't do that. She'll die. Or if, if you know, uh, integration would mean killing off my people. And, you know, that's not true. Um, they are you, you know. And, uh, oh, I'm getting ready to write about the because th- it's really, really something. Yeah, yeah. And actually, let's kind of talk about that a little bit more as you're writing now and um, has really helped your your journey, has, has helped your healing, has helped you, has helped you get to the phase that you are in right now. And how does the writing that you do and the work that you do really, really help your journey? Okay. Uh, yeah, heal, uh, writing. Um, well, I didn't start writing earnestly. I mean, I, I've written for years, but earnestly writing until 2012. And uh, that's when I got a really good computer and just started writing. I started my own blog site uh, in 2014. But that didn't, really didn't take off for another year. Um, but writing about DID and getting in contact with other people who have DID makes me feel less alone. And, and I like to help people, especially when they're just starting out. So, I don't know. Uh, it empowers me. I feel like I'm doing something that's good. And um, um, as my as I'm going along, my, my, my writing is maturing and I'm beginning to make a little money at it. And but, you know, not not of course, not with a DID. That's, that's beside the point, but uh, on other sites. And, you know, uh, but writing about, about my disorder, about my trials and traumas. And uh, this morning I wrote one that was very honest about how, how depressed I've been lately. I, ha- I have seasonal affective disorder. And, oh, my goodness. Um, but, you know, people respond. And that always blows me away. Um, my blog is international. There's people coming from literally all over the world every day to read that thing. And it just blows me away. Um, I'm very humbled because I get I get uh, I get emails and I get I get um, uh, comments on my blog about you know from people that desperately want to know am I alone you know and I'm like no you are not and that feels good. Isn't that like the best feeling ever? Whenever you you write something and people start to read it and they start to comment and it feels like just the most amazing thing when somebody reaches out and says, you know, am I alone? And you can say, no, you're not. And and you know when they when they continue to read your work and all the things you're sharing about your life and of course you know on your own blog and on the foundation with you know um and and the other sites that you write for, when people find that and then they realize they're not alone. And I think sometimes. Once you're once you've kind of been at your own journey for a little while, you sometimes don't always keep in, at the forefront of your mind that that there are still countless numbers of people all over the world who've never you know read a blog about DID or realized that there was a you know an answer to their chronic pain or chronic illness or 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 that there is hope for being an abuse survivor or whatever the case may be that there are still so many people that find the the blogs and the videos and the podcast and the books of people who share this kind of information every single day. And it just, 
the content that I write, you know, I, I've written several years ago and I get people who send me emails and just be like, you know, I can't believe somebody knows how I feel. And so mm-hmm. it just, you know, for me, it's so empowering and I'm sure it is for you whenever somebody replies back and just says, I get it. And thank you for writing something like that. Yeah. I remember the first comment I ever got on my blog that, that really sunk it into me, how much people really need to hear real information. Uh, somebody wrote me a comment that said, Oh, thank God. Finally, somebody's writing real information about this disorder. She's like, I've been looking all over the internet. All I could find, I could find information, but it's, it's cold. It's not by someone who actually lives it. And, uh, I, I, it made me feel fantastic. And then, you know, we know, and I write and I get comments about from people and I, I get in contact with others who are beginning their journey. I, it helps me to understand where I've been. And it makes me feel, it makes me feel, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, like I've really gone someplace, you know, you, you can get caught up in this stuff. I mean, you can end up lost in your own stuff. You know, I've seen people get caught and I have been caught back in the past where, 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 you know, oh, you know, I'm just so sick and nobody's ever going to, I'm never going to get well. And, and I, and I'm, you know, it becomes your comfort zone. And but if you when you start writing about this stuff or whatever you need to do, um, getting out there and realizing there are people that are back where you started from and that you've come a long way, it feels fantastic. And I can say, you know, if I did this and I'm just an ordinary Joe, then I'm telling you that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that you will not cry forever, that this there is an end to it, and that that someday you will wake one morning you will wake up. And you'll feel different. And that's true. I mean, it's with any disorder, really, of depression or anything. If you hang in there and you work on it, you don't give up, you know, um, you can get there. Yeah. And that, that first step of getting there, that first step of, of getting to the point where, you know, you wake up one day and you suddenly start to feel just a tiny bit better. Like, you know, it's not mm-hmm. necessarily that, you know, you're, you're really feeling down and you're in the depths and of, you know, depression or, or dealing with whatever challenge you have. And then suddenly you wake up and you're like, okay, I feel great. I mean, it doesn't really work that way. I mean, at least not in my experience, but no, well, it's those, yeah. yeah, it's, it's those little moments where you say, wait a minute, I actually had kind of a good day or this, this encounter that, that, you know, I thought was going to go horribly wrong actually wasn't that bad. And these little tiny things are what propel you forward and help you, you know, and, and encourage you and realize that all the hard work you're doing is starting to pay off. And then you, then once you notice one, you start to notice more and more and more in your life mm-hmm. all over the place. And, and that's where things can really take off. And of course, as you mentioned, it's up and down, it's not linear, uh, mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have your good days and your rough days. You're going to have setbacks and things. But the more that that you keep going forward, the more you just realize that, hey, this stuff is actually working. I'm actually making progress. If, you, if you're working with a therapist, um, well, what Paula would help me with, I go in, I'll, you know, I'd be, I would, my head would bob above the water for a few days. And then I'd go back down again, start mm-hmm. drowning again. Mm-hmm. And she would say, okay, all right. So you've had, you've had a bad couple of days. Okay. You remember what it was like back then when you felt that way? That'll come again, you know, and I've had to keep in my mind, you know, I have almost died from suicide at least four times, uh, twice while I was in recovery with in therapy. Um, but, but, uh, the fact is, you know, and I tell this to people, I know that around the corner, there might be something good. Maybe just hang around here. 
and see what's going going to happen. You know, uh, that's what mankind's done all through this history, right? I mean, that's what kept us going and going and going out of Africa. Well, what's around the next bend? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, and I know so. Uh, there's a lot of people who die in the in the attempt to get wealth in this. There are, I mean, unfortunately, and there are a lot of people who get stuck and never get this far. But and, and nobody knows. What makes a difference? I've, I've, Paula and I talked, my therapist, we talked for over two hours one day. And she said, finally, we agreed. No one understands what helps one person make it as far as I have and somebody gets stuck in, in, in their stuff and never get out. Nobody understands. There's no nothing special about me. It's just that no, nobody really understands the underlying, what underlying current there is that keeps people going in this. Because it's hard. I mean, oh, wow. Therapy is hard. You know, um, Mm -hmm. you're having to look yourself straight in the face and see who you really are, you know, and, and learn to accept yourself with all your faults and all your good things, you know, all all the good things about yourself, but also the faults and, and, and learn how to cope with that, you know, um, but if you do get in it, you have to be in it with this disorder. You cannot do this by yourself. It is not possible. Uh, you get in therapy, you work hard, you don't give up. If you don't like therap- that therapist because they're not helping you, then you find someone who will. You just keep moving and you keep uh, keep advocating for yourself and, and pushing because what's the alternative, right? Staying sick, uh, staying so sick that your life can't move forward. Um, not that I've moved by leaps and bounds, but I'm not where I once was. Isn't that so true? And I think it's a great analogy of of what's around the bend, what's coming next. You're right, because, and I've written about this before, and I've come to terms with this in my own life, and it's something I always try and share is, you know, yes, this this work is hard, and yes, working with a therapist is hard, and working with a coach is hard, and writing, you know, forces you to confront a lot of things, and, mm-hmm. you know, you have your good days and your bad days, but what's, what, what is the alternative? I mean, do you want to stay miserable? Do you want to stay sick? How long are you going to be content in the sick, the miserable, the tired, the confused, the alone, you know, all the things of where you've been. And it it really is that old adage of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. And Mm -hmm. for, for survivors and anybody who lives with any, any mental health challenge, nobody's going to do this work for us. You know, I mean, we have helping professionals. We've got, we've got therapists, like you mentioned, we've got coaches, you've got psychiatrists, you've got clinicians all over the place who are trained to help, but they can only offer so much, you know, they offer advice and support and insight and it's amazing and it's so needed and it's so helpful, but ultimately it's up to us to embrace that information, to take it, to run with it because, you know, only, only we can heal ourselves. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that, you know, that's one of the first things Paula had to teach me. You know, she's like, I, you know, um, I'm your, I'm not your friend. I'm your therapist. And what that means is that I'm going to point you in the right direction, but you're the one that has to walk the walk. She says, I would love to carry you across the the finishing line, but that's not the way it works. You know, I mean, you can look mm-hmm. at children and you're raising children. Um, you can't do everything for them. Otherwise they grow up to to want everything done for them and they will not grow up. They will not grow up. And that's essentially what I've had to do. Um, when I started seeing Paula, I would, her children were six and 10 years old. <laughs> They're in their thirties now. And she just retired a couple of years ago. <laughs> so, you know, she's a third child, but um, there's so many things I just didn't understand about, about 
relationships and, and and getting along in life. I mean, when you're so busy surviving, you have no ability to absorb anything else, you know. And of course, your family is what you know. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, therapy is 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 difficult. And I've always, I've like I've said before, you know, surviving the therapy was almost harder than surviving the the uh, trauma in the first place. But I wouldn't trade anything for it because the world I know now isn't the world I knew then. Even though I still have problems with feeling like I'm not like I'm in danger all the time, and you know that goes along with the CPTSD. Um, that is not as intense as it once was, but it's still there. And uh, I've I've avoided relationships like the plague, you know. Um, but I have a feeling that as you know, I know I'm going to be sixty soon, and I only maybe twenty years left in my life. But I was twenty years working on this stuff, it won't hurt anything, you know. And I can continually say along the trip, I will continue to share my trials and my tribulations and my and what I've learned with the people that I blog for or whatever we have in twenty years, and you know. I this I my philosophy is if I can help one person to climb out of that crap, then I feel like I have accomplished something. Yeah, that's my goal of life. Just one person. Well, <laughs> you've definitely helped way more than one person. So you've already accomplished it and then some and you know, your writing helps so many people, you know, writing for your own blog and for other sites and um, you know, as we'll transition here to for the for the last few minutes of the show to talking about CPTSD Foundation. So sure. kind of share a little bit about how did you get hooked up with uh, CPTSD Foundation and begin writing here? Um, obviously, you know, that's an organization that I'm a part of as well. And I enjoy reading every single one of your posts and you and I collaborate oh, really? uh, quite often now. So yeah, uh, you know, for those who are unfamiliar with the foundation, maybe share a little bit about how you got involved with it and, you know, your experience with writing. To tell you the truth, I don't remember how I got involved with it. Um, <laughs> you have to understand amnesia with with the idea to really get that. <laughs> but but I know uh, somewhere along the line, I think it was you that I met first. I don't. I'm not really sure. I have a belief. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I think you and I connected. I don't mm-hmm. think it was on the foundation. It might have been through one of the one of the videos on Monday nights. But yeah, I it's it has it been was quite Twitter. A while. I think it was Twitter. Yes, yes, it was. It was Twitter. Yes, you're exactly yeah. right. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then then I met Athena, and um, Athena's you know the the partner in crime of the <laughs> of the, <laughs> of the uh, CPTSD Foundation. Um, but um, um, when when it was described to me what it was and, and everything, I got involved a couple of years ago, but we really didn't really get involved deeply until the last few months. Um, uh, things have started taking off for the foundation grant writer and. Athena, uh, the, the the foundation needs to be incorporated as a 501c3. So um, I'm working on that with Athena and yourself. Yeah, the, the writing, I, I just love write, the writing for the foundation. I mean, the topics are fascinating. Uh, um, right now we're, I'm getting ready to start a series on CPTSD itself, um, covering all the aspects I can find on it, and some of them personal. Um, I just got done on a, of doing an, a, a series of articles on attachment and attachment disorders and what your attachment style means to you. It needs to your adult life. And uh, it's fascinating stuff. I mean, writing something like that is easy for me because I love it. <laughs> well, yeah, and you are, you, you are so talented at it. And, of course, all of your work can be found right on cptsdfoundation.org. It's right there on the blog, um, right right down the, in the middle of the page. And, of course, your articles go up, um, I believe, every week now. And, yes, uh, you're, the, the, um, 
the series that you that you just finished on uh, attachment trauma that is up so everybody can definitely check it out um but yeah there's so many new amazing things coming for the foundation of course for your writing and everything that's happening with the 501c3 so i'm honored to be collaborating with you i'm glad that you came on the show today to talk a little bit about your life and your and your your history of as a survivor and with did so but uh, before we go maybe you can wrap up and share where everybody can find you outside of the foundation as well um, I have like the blog that I was talking about. Um, is uh, is I the name is kind of unusual because well, <laughs> you guys <have to laughs> understand the idea a little better. But it's it's Morgan six zero six two dot blog, or you just look at my name; it'll show up. Shirley J Davis, Google me. <laughs> um, and it, I, I love to have y'all visit me there and uh, I leave comments and um, join. If you want to, you want to follow the blog or, and leave your email address, you'll always get a post or always get an email when I post something new. And uh, I have quite a few people that do that. Uh, so yeah, I, I welcome them to come to, I welcome y'all to come to my blog and enjoy your, enjoy the, what you read. Just remember it's written by a real person with real problems, just like you. And uh and I, I'm honest. I try to be very honest. It's very important to me to be honest. I spent too many years hiding and lying. So it's time to be honest, right? Uh, not necessarily lying, but you know what I'm saying. It goes along with the territory. Are you? Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only and is not a substitute for or supersedes professional medical help or mental health counseling. Thank you again to my sponsors, inlpcenter.org and Daily Recovery Support. I hope you'll consider checking them out as they've joined forces to help keep the lights on here at the podcast and help Beyond Your Past reach as many as possible with a message of hope. If you'd like to learn more about working with me as your coach, or if you're curious about what life coaching is and how it might be right for you, then head on over to beyondyourpast.com and claim your free one-hour session where we can talk about the struggles in your life in the areas of anxiety and trauma recovery and see if coaching might be a great fit for you. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it with all your friends. See you next time.